Well, thank you guys. Thank you kids very much. And we are going to conclude our uh, study of Matthew's uh, birth and uh, early life narrative of Jesus here in the next uh, few minutes here. Um, we've, we've seen as we've been working our way through the first uh, two chapters, about ready to close it off with these last few verses, we've seen how Matthew has carefully crafted his narrative. We've seen that Jesus is the son of David, the son of Abraham. He is Emmanuel, God with us, born of a virgin. Uh, he is the hope to nations, but uh, ignored, even hated by insiders and uh, recognized by outsiders. Uh, if, if you were here with us uh, yesterday, uh, you heard about a passage we, we don't often uh, think about too much during this time, and the slaughter of the children. And that's a great, uh, great Christmas uh, passage there, but it um, actually fits with uh, what, what's uh, our, our theme here, and that's Christmas for the real world. This is the true Christmas story. It, uh, Jesus speaks peace to that fear. He speaks uh, hope to that sadness. And we're going to uh, finish off this passage. So uh, join me, Matthew 2, verses 19 through 23. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled that he would be called a Nazarene. Pray with me. Father God, I pray we would come humbly to your word, that we would learn from your spirit, that we would not ignore this passage as just a, a, a bunch of facts, a travelogue attacked on to this narrative, but see the deep truth in it. We pray this all in Christ's name and for his glory. Amen. So, so at first glance, you might think, why are we even like talking about this passage? Is this just uh, you know, a moving log as if it's important that I was, you know, first lived in Altoona, Wisconsin, and then moved to Eau Claire, Wisconsin, who, who really uh, cares? But... Uh, that, that's not the case in this narrative, not, not so fast. This is not unimportant information just, just tacked on for context uh, to the story of Jesus' birth. Uh, Matthew uh, employs this to drive home a few major themes and, and tie another connection between Jesus uh, and his birth in the Old Testament anticipation. Matthew argues that Jesus is the Messiah for the real world. He is long expected, but comes 
in an unexpected way. So, so how is Jesus this uh, Messiah for the real world? Well, well, first we see in these a few verses that uh, Jesus is hated by the enemies of God, but protected by the hand of God. You, you can't miss the fact that there are people in this passage who are trying to kill baby Jesus. Herod wanted him dead. He even went to the extreme of having uh, boys two and under uh, killed to, to make that happen. As long as he lived, it was risky for Joseph and Mary to return to Palestine. And the fear here is that Archelaus would do a similar thing. When you think of the nativity scene, you usually don't have Herod or Archelaus, or you know, they don't get included. You know, they put the sheep and the donkeys and others, but they don't have the villains who are chasing after Jesus, pursuing him to kill him. But but that is. Christmas uh, for the real world. That's where we pick up this story. And, and what happens here? The, the angel of the Lord leads Joseph to return to the land of Israel because Herod uh, has died. And, and the implication here in the dream is that uh, God leads him after he hears of the reign of Archelaus in the southern part of his father's kingdom, leads him to Galilee. This guy, Archelaus, uh, had a reputation far worse than his brothers. He, he would eventually uh, be removed from power due to mismanagement. Galilee seemed like a much safer place under the rule of Archelaus's half-brother, Herod Antipas, and seemed to be a better bet for the early life of uh, Christ growing up, at least in terms of safety. The enemies of God hate Jesus, but we see God's sovereign good hand in protecting the baby. Uh, Matthew uh, echoes the words of Exodus 4, of verse 19, where it says, The Lord said to Moses in Midian, Go back to Egypt, because all the men who are seeking your life, are dead. Matthew doesn't even name Herod in this, uh, this narrative to make the passages correspond more. His, his audience, with a, a knowledge of the Old Testament, would instantly say, oh, wait, 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 that, that's, that's Exodus. That's Moses. The, all the men seeking your life are dead. That and in this case, Herod is dead. This is the unmistakable work of God in, in directing Jesus' parents and uh, protecting baby Jesus. And, and you might be tempted to think uh, that this hatred for Jesus is an isolated thing. Maybe all right, that was to the time of Jesus growing up. Or, or maybe in some remote parts of the world today, but actually, that that is completely wrong. Jesus w was hated by the enemies of God. Then he, he was hated by uh, Satan 
Satan's demons. Uh, he was hated then, and he's hated now too. But the, the work of the serpent can be deceptive, that this active hatred of Jesus can it be even people who attend churches, who, who might even claim the name of Christ, but their actions prove that they're far from it. The hatred of Jesus we see going on in our world today has very little to do with a Starbucks cup or what people, what greeting somebody might say during this season, and has a whole lot to do with how one orients the rest of the days of the year. Are you orienting it around the priorities of Jesus or your own? But, but God's enemies are not in control. God is. We see this comforting truth here in the Christmas story. Just as God was in full control directing Joseph and Mary in their journey back to Israel and Galilee, he is sovereign in our world today. This is our unstoppable God. And what does he come to do? Well, that leads us to our second truth in this passage that Jesus comes to save his people. Well, we've already seen in this chapter, Matthew highlight the connection between the experience of Moses and that of Jesus. Matthew ensures we see that this continues. He's going to echo Exodus 4.20 here in verse 21. He says in Exodus 4.20, is so Moses took his wife and his sons and had them ride on a donkey, and they went back to the land of Egypt. Again, he's using language his readers would be familiar with to liken Moses' return to Egypt with Jesus' return to the land of Israel. Now you might think that that's a little confusing. Wait, wait, Moses going to Egypt and Jesus is going back to the land of Israel. The, the point is here that they are returning to their people who desperately need deliverance. That, that's the key. Jesus is returning to the people to whom God sent him as the son of Abraham, son of David, true Israel. Matthew would have no interest in this recording if it were simply a travel log. This is the Savior returning to the land of Israel for his people. Why does he say land of Israel in this passage? Matthew could have used something more precise. Well, certainly, A, it fits the counterpart in Exodus, the land of Egypt. But, but it also helps the reader see that this Jesus is returning to the people of God, to Israel, the people he has come to save. And, and as if we've already seen hints of in this uh, Gospel of Matthew, that, that there's going to be a major twist to this people of God, this Israel, that is going to include some of the least likely individuals, not based on ethnicity religiosity, but faith in Jesus. That there will be Jews, but they will be on equal standing with Gentiles as followers of Jesus. So, so my question for you today is, do you see yourself 
in slavery like the people of Israel in Egypt uh, to whom Moses was sent back. No, we're not not talking about the institution of uh, slavery. I'm talking about slavery to sin, slavery to Satan, slavery to self. Do, Do you see yourself that way? If not, you're like a lot of people in the land of Israel in Jesus' day. They didn't feel they really needed a savior except for if he was going to knock out the Romans for them. Do you see your need for a savior? See, You see, Christmas isn't good news if you're just looking in the manger for an example of how to live your life, for an inspiring story to brighten dark days for something good and moral to teach your children. A Christmas is only good news if you understand you need to be saved. You, you need this Savior who is in the, the manger. You desperately need Jesus' return to his people to save you from your sin, from Satan, from yourself. And then it's good news if you turn in faith Trusting in Jesus' death and resurrection uh, on your behalf, as we'll see at the climax of this gospel. But there's a one more exciting truth uh, concerning Jesus we, we see in this passage. And, and that is this, that Jesus fulfills the messianic expectation. Matthew records that uh, Joseph and Mary moving to Nazareth fulfills the prophecy that Jesus will be a Nazarene. And at first glance, all right, cool. I'm I'm good with prophecy fulfilled. But here are just a couple disturbing, but I I believe enlightening details for our study. Uh, First of all, uh, did you know that Joseph and Mary originally had connections to Nazareth? If you look in Luke's account, Mary was living in Nazareth when the angel appeared to him and she first learned of uh, this baby who was inside of her. That uh, this is where Joseph and Mary came from, to Bethlehem for the census. But, But Matthew doesn't share this detail at all. Why? Well, well, if he did his readers, his audience would be tempted just to see this as a return home. Like, I mean, they, they could have moved to, to a different, um, different city, different area, but just a, a, a return home, a, almost a throwaway detail. Instead, he, he wants us to see that this is a fulfillment of prophecy, not just a, a trip back home. And the second disturbing detail, but, but you'll find it, it's ultimately enlightening, is that Nazareth is not actually mentioned in the Old Testament. So, so does Matthew just get it wrong? Is he using some apocryphal book or something? Didn't realize this wasn't accurate or something of that nature? Was he confused between... Nazarite and Nazarene and Nazareth, and nobody else really was, but does he just get it wrong? 
Well, I would argue absolutely not. Matthew gets it through the power of the Spirit, gets it dead on. Look carefully here. He says, what was spoken by the prophets. Compare that up earlier in our passage in verse 5. It says, for it is written this way by the prophet. And then we get a quote from Micah 5. Verse 15, what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Then we get a, a quote from Hosea, Hosea 11. Two verses later, verse 17, what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet. And, and we get a quote from Jeremiah 31. But, but Matthew here says, by the prophets. The, this introductory formula uh, alerts us that we shouldn't be looking for a direct quotation from the Old Testament as if like we, we missed something. Did I not do a, a search correctly through... Do I need to pull my concordance out again? Didn't get the right word. That's not what's, what's going on. So, so what is Matthew doing then? Well, he's alluding to an Old Testament uh, truth. A, a theme that's uh, present in many Old Testament passages through many Old Testament prophets. Wording does not, and Matthew knows it, is not designed to, to match any particular scripture. Nazareth was a small, insignificant agricultural village. Doesn't receive any Old Testament mention. It's not mentioned in any other sources up to the day of Jesus. This is the type of place people would say, where the heck is that? Like, what? I, I don't know. I've never heard of that. that. That's the type of place. There's no, no one really cares. And that's exactly where Jesus the Nazarene comes from. Uh, Matthew also here is probably using a little play on words uh, with his use of Nazarene. Uh, see, Nazarene is, very, uh, is pronounced very similarly to the word for branch in Isaiah 11, verse 1. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. This imagery and connection emphasizes the same truth, though, because a stump isn't too glorious. A shoot, a branch coming out of a stump, uh, not not too uh, not too exciting, not a sign of majesty, honor. It instead indicates the humble origins of Jesus the Messiah. He was a humble Messiah, in expect uh, in contrast to the widely expected uh, dignity of this Messiah King, who would lead the the people of Israel. Uh, out of the oppression uh, and the firm grasp of Rome. But, but that's exactly what the Old Testament prophets predicted. R- read David in Psalm 22. Re- read Zechariah 11. Uh, let me just read for us uh, Isaiah 53. Because it's, it's hard to get any better than this. 
Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of God to crush him. He has put him to grief when his soul made an offering for guilt. He has seen his offering. He has prolonged his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide with him a portion from the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sins, sin of many, and makes intercession for the transgressors. That is our Messiah. That is the promised Messiah, humble, Jesus of Nazareth. Let us marvel at that truth. He fulfills this expectation of the Messiah, just not in a way that most people were looking for it to be fulfilled. As you celebrate Christmas... Christmas Eve tonight, Christmas Day tomorrow, be reminded of this Jesus. Jesus is the, the King of kings and Lords of Lords, but at his first coming, he arrived humbly. Jesus, born in a feeding trough. Jesus, uh, uh, the Nazarene. This world doesn't understand that they don't have eyes to see and ears to hear. Uh, this Jesus. But, but if you, you desire a Jesus that w- w- would look wise in the eyes of the world, you're going to have to make one up. That is not the Jesus of the Bible. Jesus the Messiah arrives humbly, as the prophets predicted, come to save his people. And that is good news for us tonight. This is 
Christmas for the real world. Pray with me. Father God, we have come to worship this Jesus, the Messiah. Come humbly, Jesus the Nazarene, come to save his people. Come to save us. I, I, I pray we would see our desperate need of the Savior. That during this uh, Christmas season, we would not just enjoy the uh, good food, a, a good uh, time with family, but would uh, celebrate the Savior and being brought in right relationship with God the Father through Him. We pray this all in Jesus' glorious name. Amen.